Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. A lot of folks I was talking to for this story just repeatedly said, look, we saw what worked. When you give aid to families, when you give money to people, they feed themselves. People are tweeting at me like, this isn't rocket science. Well, okay, yeah, it's not. But but still the, the lesson that Washington is learning right now. When you give aid to families, you know, food insecurity goes down. We see that very, very clearly. So yeah, you have a lot of progressive, you know, policymakers and anti-hunger advocates now asking, if we see so clearly what works, why not end food insecurity in the richest country on earth? I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch, and today... There are going to be real lasting changes that come from this pandemic, and I think it remains to be seen how aggressive Washington is in, you know, shoring up some of the things that worked, or whether or not we're going to let, you know, more and more of this expire. And there are definitely anti-hunger advocates that are really concerned about what will happen if Washington lets up. Helena Bademiller-Evich on how the pandemic is shining a new light on how we might be able to end hunger in America. If you talk to economists about food insecurity, the first thing they will tell you is that food insecurity was a problem before the pandemic, and it is going to be a problem after the pandemic. This country has a lot of low-wage workers, low-income households who before this crisis, were absolutely struggling to make ends meet. You know, they might have been one car breakdown or healthcare incident away from, you know, bankruptcy or not making the rent. So there was a lot of families in this country that were in a precarious position before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And when COVID-19 hit, we really upended the economy in a way that was unprecedented. And so how Washington responds to that has been a big question. We have thrown unprecedented amounts of aid at American families and businesses during this time, and it has really given policymakers a chance to see how much households respond to influxes of aid. So during the pandemic, USDA just released numbers that suggest that actually food insecurity rates did not go up during the pandemic, which I think will be surprising for a lot of people. Hmm. What did you expect to happen during the pandemic? So I thought food insecurity uh, probably would go up in 2020. I mean, this was an unprecedented economic shock. But what I think we have to remember if we zoom out even further is Washington really responded to this crisis in a way that was much more aggressive than what we did after the Great Recession. So we increased food stamp benefits aggressively. We increased unemployment insurance payments. We did three rounds of stimulus. We did a new pandemic food program for you know children who were learning virtually. We did universal free meals in schools for the first time. And now we're doing child tax credit payments that are t- really targeted at reducing child poverty. I mean, we really kind of threw the kitchen sink at this crisis. And now we seem to be seeing that the like hardship was not nearly as bad as people had feared. Mm-hmm. One of the economists I was talking to immediately when these numbers came out from USDA, you know, he said, this is amazing. Like, use the word amazing, which, you know, a lot of times academics are not really uh, using. And I think 
a lot of people agree with that. It is, it is a pretty incredible finding. But what it does mask is there's a lot of inequities in food insecurity. You know, Black and Hispanic households tend to have nearly twice the rates of food insecurity of white households. That was true before the pandemic, and it is still true today. And some of these disparities may have even been worsened during the pandemic. Hmm. I want to sort of put this into perspective for people because, I mean, as you mentioned, it is surprising that hunger, that food insecurity didn't go up um, a bunch like some people might have expected as the economy was shutting down, as people were losing jobs, as schools were closing down. Um, and you mentioned it's because of all this aid that we we push towards people to try to prevent that from happening. I mean, how does that compare to historically how we've treated this issue in the U.S.? Like, how much of a difference is what we're seeing and what we've been seeing throughout the pandemic to what we've had previously in the country? I think it's fair to say that the pandemic response has been, you know, far and away, just far and away more aid than the government has ever really targeted at the public during any crisis or during any time. I mean, rounds of stimulus, uh, increased food stamp benefits, food stamp spending or supplemental nutrition assistance program or SNAP spending has actually doubled month over month compared to pre-pandemic. So we're targeting a lot more aid at low-income families, but we also unleashed a lot of aid at you know middle-income families and we've spent trillions of dollars. I mean, I think the overall cost has already surpassed spending on World War II. So you have a new story for Politico out today looking at what we can learn from this situation, how despite the economic hardships of the pandemic, we haven't seen a massive increase in hunger in the U.S. Um, And whether the country can look at this situation and say, hey, we might have figured out how to solve this problem. Let's do this. What do you think would need to happen to make that come true? And do you think it will? I think that is a good question. And I don't know what the answer is yet from Washington. I don't think Congress has been particularly focused on ending food insecurity, uh, but the pandemic has certainly uh, raised a lot of these big picture questions. And if you look at even just smaller interventions, like the child tax credit, which began in July and um, August, you can see, you know, the U.S. Census Bureau is doing really interesting almost near real-time tracking of households. And you can see when those payments hit households with children, you know, the the percentage of those households that are struggling to put food on the table, I mean, went down dramatically. So again, it's seeing that lever of like, if you give aid to families, it's easier to provide for those families. So, you know, the Biden administration just a couple of weeks ago increased pre-pandemic SNAP benefit levels by about 27%. And I did not have a single Republican lawmaker in my inbox complaining about that. Hmm. So it, I think the the politics, at least temporarily, have sort of shifted. I don't know that that will continue, uh, but we'll have to see. Well, that makes me wonder, I mean, what do you think was behind the politics, the political split on this before the pandemic? Like, why didn't legislators pay as much attention as as what might be needed to help with hunger before COVID? What was behind political issues like before what we're seeing now? 
Well, I think there's long been a bipartisan recognition that, you know, people shouldn't go hungry in, you know, the greatest and wealthiest country on earth. Like, I, th- I think there is um, a shared sense that, that that is a value we have. But where you get locked in partisan fights is, you know, what role does government play in that? And what, you know, what what is the appropriate size of these programs? What is the appropriate size of government? And I think it kind of gets at a lot of the tension we have long had in this country over, you know, what do we see as government's job? Is it government's job to make sure that, you know, families can afford to feed themselves? Should we have limits? Should we target aid to only the very, very low-income households in our country? I mean, I don't think there's ever been real broad agreement on how to go about it. So, you know, there's been a long Republican concern that if you if you make benefits like food stamps or even unemployment or other, you know, forms of aid, if you make them too generous, then maybe people won't want to work and that'll be bad for the economy. And there's there's long been debates about that. Like what are the unintended consequences of, you know, shoring up support for families like this? And, you know, economists fiercely debate these things. There's still a fierce debate over whether or not gutting, you know, direct cash assistance during welfare reform reduced poverty. So there's a lot of um, disagreement about how you get there. I think there is a shared uh, goal and a shared commitment to making sure that people don't go hungry in this country. Helena Bademiller-Evich. Thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me. Helena reported this story as part of our Recovery Lab series, which looks at some of the bold ideas driving our recovery from the pandemic. You can find a link to that in this episode's show notes. Also, today, Florida school districts are free to implement mask mandates for students after a judge struck down the DeSantis administration's attempt to halt a recent ruling on face coverings. The decision marks the latest chapter in a weeks-long fight in schools and courts over masking children amid the pandemic, notching another win for parents who sued Governor Ron DeSantis and state agencies for blocking local mask mandates. The Florida judge's decision means the Department of Education is prohibited from enforcing sanctions on defiant school boards that are requiring students to wear masks. The DeSantis administration is appealing the case. And former President Barack Obama is tossing his political clout behind California Governor Gavin Newsom, appearing in a new ad urging Californians to reject the recall of Newsom in the final days of the campaign. The spot launching today underscores Newsom's strategy of enlisting national Democrats to help boost liberal turnout before voting ends on Tuesday. While Democrats vastly outnumber Republicans in California, polls have shown GOP voters are more eager to vote. Recent polls have shown Californians would reject the recall by a double-digit margin, but those numbers do not automatically translate into votes. Today's episode included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you're listening, and stay tuned to hear more about a new podcast called Global Insider, launching next week. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening. Yep, we're rolling. I'm Ryan Heath, and for seven years, I've been running a newsletter about global affairs. 
covering the CEOs who shape the economy, the lawmakers who set the rules, and the innovators who bend them. In that time, I've gotten to know a lot of them and their world pretty well. What do you think the longest pause is someone's ever taken when you've asked them like a really hard question? Oh, that's easy. Um, it was Emmanuel Macron and I asked him when was the last time he'd built a piece of Ikea furniture and the dude could not answer the question. I think Tony Blair certainly flirts with his eyes. Is there an airport tip you have? There is an amazing bakery at Copenhagen Airport called Hakkasuset. <laughs> I can never say it right. <laughs> Now I'm doing a different kind of interview with the same sources I've kept tabs on for years, more personal conversations that usually happen behind closed doors in Davos and the UN. Is it just something that you have to accept is out of your control now? Of course I'm worried. We're doing this in a pandemic. We all have to be worried. Every week there'll be activists, regulators, business leaders, like NATO's Jens Stoltenberg and Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the US ambassador to the UN. African leaders need to spend more time with their young people and they need to empower them to lead in the future. The balance of power is always shifting. Global Insider is how you keep up. We launch September 15th in this feed. See you there. Laukehusa. 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 <laughs> we're, we're humans, not robots, so I can't make it sound like the robot. <laughs>